My name is Jason Watson. Josh Wilson. And my name is Thizzle, a.k.a. Travis Three Middle Names Tyler. Not middle names, but three first names. <laughs> Hilarious, man. Well, look, um, we're excited, man. This is our second run up, man. As you know, we silly dudes, so you never know what you're going to get on this podcast. Um, but, but Josh, I, I know we had some conversations. There were some things you wanted to bring to bear, and um, why don't you share with us a yeah, little let's, bit? Uh, let's kick this episode off. We were having, what was it, maybe a month ago, uh, I think we ran to a meeting, sat down, eating lunch, and uh, I had just read uh, somebody put out an article talking about um, uh, urban centers uh, what's the when you talk from a systemic change place? What's going to have the most impact? And uh, the point of the article was uh, everything will change if the family is restored, if uh, the value of men being fathers, the value of men being husbands, uh, the impact of that uh, not only on the family dynamic but also really the repercussions on on the community that that would have the most massive systemic influence and impact uh on our city and and you two guys i mean this is, is what we do right like this mm-hmm. is this is the this is the game that we're in uh talk about that article jason you got a really interesting um feedback when it came to man you, maybe i agree maybe i don't agree but i'm not sure that it's the most impactful the most impactful is blank this i'd love to hear your thoughts on that yeah i think i talked a little bit about um what what's most important to me is the idea of value and what I mean by that is not just valuing yourself, but being valued by others. So let me let me let me kind of unpack that a little bit, um, and I'll make it a little personal. Uh, for me, growing up, I'm not sure if I well, I know for a fact that I didn't really value myself. Mm. I didn't value life, right? Um, and I think some of that came from how I felt like I was viewed based off where I came from, and some of it was based off what I saw. As, as it relates to possibilities, yeah, right? Yeah. So when you walk through your neighborhood or your community and you see vacant buildings, like you hear gunshots, you see sirens, like you, you call the police and they get there an hour, two hours later. You call the ambulance and you didn't die before they done made it. Yeah. Uh, you get to the hospital and you look that crap. Like you start to feel like not only do other people not value me, but maybe they don't value me because I'm not valuable. Mm-hmm. And I want to be very important and I want to be very uh, intentional in saying that wasn't a conscious thought. So it wasn't like I sat down with myself at 13 and was like, Jason, I don't think you're valuable, yeah. right? I'm just saying what I think was happening subconsciously, mm-hmm. right? So, and then I think from an outside perspective, and we've seen this throughout, I mean, decades and decades throughout our country as it relates to what's happened specifically to African-Americans, I think there is a lot of ways in which other communities don't see us as valuable either, right? And um and I don't think that's only isolated to our community, but I think there are specific historical events that have taken place um, that would speak to that reality. Um, so when I think about the family, if you're going to rebuild the structure of the family, first the family has to see themselves as valuable. Then they have to see the family structure as valuable, right? Um, because if they don't, there will be no need to rebuild the family or to, to invest in family. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's the same with community. You know what I mean? So I think ownership, all of those things play a role in us seeing ourselves as valuable because I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day, actually at a, a Plant Midwest 
uh, thing. And he, it was a white guy, and uh, we were talking about protests. And he was like, man, I just don't understand why somebody would burn their community down. Like, do they not value their community? And I said, I, I understand that. I, I, I get that. I said, but the reality is, and the sad thing is, in most of our African-American communities, we don't own nothing. Yep. Everybody else. So essentially, we no ain't power, even burning. No control. No power, mm -hmm. no control. So when we burn down something, like, <laughs> that's probably your business. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It might not even be mine. So just saying that to say that when you value yourself, when you have things that you own, you possess, you value those things, you invest in those things. Um, and when other people see things as valuable, they invest in it as well. Yeah. What do you think, Liz? When you think about change, when you think about systemic changes taking their place, um, what is it? What is it? You agree with that? You agree with the, the fact that man's that, that family dynamic? Is it something else? Is it value? I think it's several I think it's several things. I think uh, the family dynamic mm -hmm. is definitely a big component of it. Because you you have children that grow up in, in homes with both parents. Mm-hmm. And they still go out and do crazy mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think as an overall, it will affect a lot of things. It will, the father will add value to the son. Mm -hmm. He will add value to the daughter. Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> I think it will produce uh, a, a sense of hope that's not there because those were the things that broke us growing up. Mm. Like I remember sitting in the window as a kid. You know, on my birthday, yep. and my mom like, you know, like what you what you looking for? Yep. And I'm like, man, I'm waiting on my daddy to come. You know what I'm saying? And she don't got the heart to tell me he's not coming. I sit there till I fall asleep. You know what I'm saying? So, I think it would definitely add value because everything I I devalue women because I learned their value from a place that they were already devalued. Mm -hmm. And do you so, think your father valued that relationship with you? No, not at all. I, I don't think he ever did. I don't think he's dead now. I don't think he ever valued our relationship mm. because he didn't take the time to try to pursue me yeah. like mm. I'm his child. Right. So one thing that it did do for me was it created something in me that made me demand my value in everything else that I'm a part of. Hmm. You know, so everything that I'm, a, and it's it's a conscious thought of mine now. Yeah. It's like, yo, I, I understand my worth. I understand my value. This is what I'm, this is what I'm not going to allow. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to demand. You know, so I think that that would definitely add a thing. But you got to think, think about it from this perspective as well. Like, there are so many, like, when you think about the inner city African American community, there are so many things that are wrong. When you fix one thing, it usually causes a problem for another. Mm. Hmm. So you think about a time when uh, a lot of people don't agree with their political stance or they feel like whatever violence or whatever were that they were creating. But you think about a time when, like, Black Panthers, when they were instilling this idea of value hmm. into the community. But you still got all of these systematic things going on around you mm -hmm. that are against you. Yep. So once I start to understand my value... Now I have a problem with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because Very I true. know you don't value me. Yeah. Mm. So if you instinct if you if you if you put the value back in place in the African American community, the first thing it's gonna do is make people stand up against the things that, that devalue. Honestly, that's what we see happening now. 
So the beauty of what I see in the landscape of the city, and I was having this conversation with somebody, as I began to learn about my culture, my people, um, and I say that importantly for those that are listening because in our schools, we're not really taught our history, right? Like we, we ain't taught a lot about what we've accomplished and what we've done. I say that to say this, like the crazy thing is when you trip off of it, like as people are beginning to learn about what's happened, what's taking place, and you see what, what those who are not from our culture see it as anger, yeah. Really, it's exactly what you see. Oh, yeah. It's like, hold up, I'm oh, yeah. valuable, yeah. and I'm being I'm being treated as if yeah. I'm not, yeah. and I'm pissed and off go, about you, that you right now. You gonna respect me? Exactly. Yeah, you gonna respect me? So that's what you see happening in our communities, even when you know, white some white people are like, "Dag, like, why why do y'all seem so upset?" Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, I'm finding out stuff about my people, about us, about accomplishments, about things we've done yeah. that have been yeah. swept under the rug. And, and I'm hearing about things that have been done to us to devalue us. Yep. Now I'm pissed off. Yep. Anybody could get it. Yep. You know, and that's that's the type of stuff that makes a protest happen. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So And we come to the we come to the table with this understanding that you have it, right? Like if I look at if I look at the way that I was mm. raised, if I look at who I was around, I mean my father mm. desperately loves me. Mm. Right? He made it known. So, like, I can remember, I remember growing up, and now I watch it with my own kids. When my kids are with my dad, he's always like, you're the world's greatest. Hmm. You're yeah. love. Like, and, and so there's also this expectation where, where we walk in from a, from a different perspective, not understanding this narrative, not understanding that I never feel respected, I never feel valued in mm. understanding where this anger and where this pain comes from. You just, you just touched on something that, uh, <clears throat> and I'm just going to be candid. Guess what we're doing on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you touched on something that I think is one of the biggest issues that white people have. Mm. So white, like white Americans, and we use colors. That's what we do in America, right? So don't nobody be like, "Why you gotta say white? We're all the same race." No, let's deal with the reality. <laughs> like we live in a country that we live in a world. Let's not even say country. We live in a world that there has been created a divide for however many years you could think of. Like this Facts. is created. This we didn't create this. Absolutely, Facts. the divide has been created. Colors we use color to define everything. What's good, what's bad, what's needed. That's just the world that we live in. So I think one of the biggest problems that some I'm not gonna say all. I'm gonna make sure I use keywords that some white people have is that you you hit it on the nose. Like they walk into a room and automatically assume everybody views the world that they view. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we don't even live in the same world that you live in. Right. Like, just the other day, I was literally riding, and <clears throat> we had this thing before. I, I can't remember where it was, but I was talking to a group of white people, and we were talking about getting pulled over by the well, interactions with the police. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how many people in the room have ever been pulled over by the police before? And I think almost everybody raised their hand. It was like, how many people have been pulled over two times? Hands went down. Three times, more hands went down. Four times, more hands went down. Five times, nobody has their hands up. Mm-hmm. And I made a point to them. I said, I've been pulled over one day five times in a row. Like, literally, where I turned the corner, <laughs> police pulled me over. They they talked to me. They give me a ticket. I pull off, driving for five minutes or less, and get pulled over again. I'm like, bro, I just got pulled over around the corner. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. They like, well, we pulling you over too. I leave from them, they pull me over too. Mm-hmm. So, but, and it's not just some white people, but it's 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 you could do it even when you live outside of a certain social economic. You know, like yeah, you're, when you're when you're like you look at the world like why oh I have it we that's human nature. I have it, so you have it, mm-hmm. and that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have the same privileges that you have, right. but there are people that I know that don't have the same privileges I have. My children are privileged. Yep. They're yeah. my kids. My right. children have met Bubba Watson. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He came to my home to see them. Right. You know what I'm saying? My my children have a, 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 a mentor and a godfather, Joe White, whose family owns Canacut Camps. Mm-hmm. They can go to camp every year. Basically free of charge. Yep. They have a privilege other children don't have. So even with my children, I have to tell them, you, the rest of the world don't function like it do for you, for everybody else. That's mm. But that's that's one of the biggest issues when it comes to racism, when it comes to things like that, that I think that some white people, that's one of the biggest problems that they project. Yep. Versus trying to understand. Let, let me what's add going to on. that too. I think another thing is that one one of the things I want to be careful with is that it, Josh can't speak for the whole of the white experience in the same way that we can't speak for the whole of the black experience. That's important because we just happen to be me and Thea just happen to be two dudes from the hood. Black is not synonymous with hood. Jason, I don't live in the hood anymore. Now you don't, but you're from the hood. That loft lifestyle, you're bro. From the hood. That rooftop. I'm just with you. Hey, hey, and you walk to the loft like you're from the hood. How you go into a loft like you still from the hood? With swag, man. Mug looking like, man, you definitely, you got here. You ain't been here. This new money. This ain't old money. But, but I think that's important because black is not synonymous with hood. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes. And every white dude didn't grow up with a father in his home. Yes. Every black yes. dude didn't grow up without a father in yes. their home. I think that's important. Um, however, there there has been systematic things done in order to break up the African-American family. Yes. This is historically true. Yeah. Um, these are things you can Google, you can look up. You know what I mean? When we when we think about the war on drugs, when we think about... Sexual uh, housing. Absolutely. When we think about marijuana, most people don't know this, but marijuana really was outlawed in the 1920s. Um, around that time. And that was when a lot of jazz musicians were smoking a lot of pot. Some of the greatest, some of the greatest uh, jazz musicians ever uh, smoked, smoked a lot of weed. And they had to deal with what was going on prior to it even being outlawed. Once it was outlawed, they banned it. The reason it was named marijuana is because they were trying to scare America into thinking that it was something that came from Mexico. So even the term marijuana was something coined by people in America. And if you go back earlier on and how they treated it, it was really an attempt to incarcerate individuals who were black and brown. I'm saying this to say that there has always been an attempt to try to dismantle a particular people group, right? So when we speak into some of the issues that we see and we experience, it's in light of those particular things. But when I start to think about some of the experiences that we all have, like I re- my father died when I was three, four years old. Yeah. I remember being mad at my daddy because he died. Mm. Yeah. Like, where you at? 
And I remember because everybody around me grew up without a father, but their fathers were alive and had left them, yeah. I had that same posture towards my father, yeah. even though he had died and it wasn't nothing he had did he could do about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there are certain things that I think we experience um, that has made us feel devalued. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, one of the things we try to do is invest that value into individuals we come yeah. in contact going back with. To, uh, going back to what you are saying earlier, I remember, Jason, you and I sitting into in the meeting, and it, and it hits on this, right? That mm. Coming to the table with a lot of ignorance, right? Yeah. Specifically around this idea of value. I'll never forget sitting around the table. You and I, uh, some people from our team, met with another group, and uh, walked in the door. We all sat around this big conference conference table. Um, uh, the executive director of the other group introduced herself. Um, everybody around the table on her team introduced themselves, and then the, then it came to to our side, right? Mm -hmm. So. Now, I introduce myself, say who I am. I introduce somebody on our team. Then I introduce you, tell them about you. You know, all love, mm -hmm. all, all respect, and, and kept going. And I'll never forget getting in that car and you with uh, firmness and gentleness. Like, hey, you have no idea what you did to me in that meeting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, what what you talking about? Yeah. He's like, he's like the, the leader of this other organization made room and space for everybody there to introduce themselves, to tell about themselves, what they do. Mm -hmm. He's like, I mean, you did that for me. You gave me no voice in the midst of that. Let Absolutely. me tell you, yeah. let me tell you about how that made me feel. There was no maliciousness Absolutely. on my end whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it did destroy value in the, in the midst of that. So when we're talking about walking in, right, with this 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 ignorance or even coming with with a, a lack of understanding because I've grown up the way that I've grown up. I've, I, I've been told that I have value. And even the way that that projects into yes. a, a situation like that. I mean, I've, And the reason I did that was because I know as an African-American male, when I walk into a boardroom, I have to spend my first five to 20 minutes fighting for value, yeah, right. convincing people that I'm valuable before right. they hear what I say, right. right? And that's why typically about 20 minutes in, you know, I always hear stuff like, you're very articulate, <laughs> yes. as if that's a surprise. Yeah, yeah, right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I, I, nobody has ever told Josh, you're very articulate. Handsome, I, maybe. I've handsome, had, maybe. Handsome. Not, not <laughs> I've had people tell me, literally, like, I, I spoke at this conference. I've had people come up to me and say, I didn't know what you were gonna say before you started talking, based off of your look. And I looked a lot more rough than this. <laughs> you still she was look like, rough. I still look rough. She was like, "Not in this collar shirt, though, with these posters." <laughs> <laughs> and so I, the lady said, "I was gonna." She was like, "I didn't want to hear what you had to say, based off how I look." Mm. She said, "Once you started talking, though, you're very smart." Mm -hmm. I've had dudes that a dude came up to me at a conference. He said when they told me the speaker after lunch was gonna be you, he said I had planned to leave. He said the only reason I stayed because I got tired. Yeah. He said, but you were the best speaker we had here. Absolutely. So it like, and so I'm kind of opposite though than what Jay said. Like I walk in the room, I'm like, hey, look, I'm her. You know oh, I'm, I'm the same yeah, way. Yeah, I know you like I'm that. The, I just yeah. know in my head subconsciously yeah. that you gotta, earn it. you gotta earn it. You gotta earn it. You gotta earn it. Josh I, don't I, have to I earn gotta it. work harder to no. earn it than you do. Yeah. Than Josh yeah, when did. we go into North City, right? We meet with African American leaders. Yeah. 
Not you only have, do I have to earn it, yeah. but I also have to be. I also have to make sure that when you're there with me, that that you're not answering to me. So your yeah. opinion can yeah. be your yeah. own Absolutely. opinion. Yeah. Your your yeah. your decision can be your own decision because as soon as you start talking and making claims, they're looking at me like, "Are you gonna okay this?" Exactly. Guy? Yeah. We're on the same that's true. Team. That's true. Exactly. That's true. And that's one of the things that I value is. People don't. People come into Mission St. Louis and they think when they see us as if we gonna be policed by Josh. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what that tells you is that people are used to places functioning like that. Yep. If there's a white man over a black man, the black man need to check in with the white man before the black man can do anything. Yep. And that's yeah. one of the things that's been important for us to remove some of that red tape. It's not just about us having a freedom to do what we want to do. It's really about. Um, projecting value to one another yeah. all the way across the board, yeah, yeah. but also breaking down those stereotypes that others have when they now come to a place Now, can I say something like that people might... Uh, let, I gotta say this. Yeah. I gotta say this, cuz. I'm one of them people that, first of all, I, you ain't even white to me, Josh. Let's just be honest. I might just have to start calling you Cajun because you're not white. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm one of them people that I appreciate I appreciate the way you take your hands off and let us do what we do mm-hmm. because you understand the value of seeing that for the people that we serve. Absolutely. Because in the world that we live in, there's all, I'm just going to say this, there's always a white savior. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the world we live in. Like, there's always a white man riding in on a horse to save the day. So when you go into, like, it doesn't matter who brings help and how help gets there. Like, especially uh, with what I believe, I know we all believe about Christianity. Like, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Like, there's, there, like, but when we, even when we say that there's no male nor female bond nor free, that's still not a, a complete uh, exclusion of differences mm-hmm. because if we gonna make that a complete exclusion of differences then ain't no gender right like we all the same right. no god god made us different ethnicities for a reason mm-hmm. but in the world that we live in the narrative that we are living out there's a story that's being told and has been told whether we want it to be told or not and that story is people of color have been oppressed for years by white people and now the narrative is okay let's go back and save the day now a lot a lot of people are genuinely doing that mission st louis one i love like i love what we do i love who we are like just hands down some of my best friends this is what the racist people say but forget it some of my best friends are white <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> but i like i feel like one of the things that is going to add value to the African-American community to bring this back full circle, that's going to add value is black people need to see more black people in positions of power, power. coming to empower them. Not, to Not give positions hands of out. title. Yeah. Positions, positions of, of power. power. Those are two different and, things. And another thing that's going to empower the black community is 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 coming to empower people and not giving handouts. Absolutely. That's why I love what we do. 
It's all about giving our dudes jobs. It's about giving them skills. It's about training them. We're not going to just give you money. We're not just going to give you this. Because that is a thing of empowerment. When I was growing up and the corner store was owned by a black man in my neighborhood, it gave me power. Absolutely. Like, I looked at him. He married. He's raising his children. He's His wife is in the store. He's in the store. I used to look. He's one of the people that made me believe I can own something. Absolutely. I'm like, yo, I want to own a store one day because I want to be like him. I looked and said, what else does he do? He has a construction company. I want to be like him. My grandfather, my grandfather and my uncles owned a business. It made me look at them and say, look, but as a, a, a African-American male, most cases when you're in a space that the, like, that the hand reaching out to you is from a white male, there's a narrative in your brain. Absolutely. And it perpetuates this idea that the only way that I have up is through you. That's very and that's true. a story that needs to change. Well, man, this has been great, man. I think, you know, even as we think about our organization and as, as we think about positions of power, which yeah. is another thing that adds value, I think one of the challenges that we would even have to the listeners is that you would just examine yourself and ask yourself, what are ways that you add value to people and what are things that you possibly do that devalue people? I'm not talking white or black. I'm just saying across the board. The company you work at, the, the managers that work for you, examine yourself and ask yourself those two questions. My name is Jason Watson. Josh Wilson. Thizzle three first names Tyler. Every time. <laughs> Let's get it.